Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Are you like a Team Rocket minion now? (laughs) How was that? I I appreciated that. That was very James-esque. I I try. I've been working on it for a a decade at least. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Minimum a decade. Well, that's... I haven't worked on any of my Pokemon impressions in a long time. But do you still remember the Poke Rap? I feel like I remember a lot of it, but then when it comes time to, like, you know, go hard, I do find myself stumbling over some of them. Like, you know how there's, like, five or whatever that they would just, like, play in whatever order? Yeah. Like, I've got three of them down, and then the two that I didn't hear as often, I'm not as solid on. Yeah, you're like 75%, but mm-hmm. not quite sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, like, there's also parts of it, too, where, like, I'm like, uh, 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 oh, Mewtwo, and then, okay, I got this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just need that one that, that triggers those exactly. the next couple of phrases. Like, once we get into, like, Nidoran and stuff, I'm like, I, I can't. I just, I don't. And then, like, all of a sudden, it'll be like, okay, nope, I'm back. all right may i tell you about an interaction that we've had in the andalite bandalites group that i want to talk about i have to shout this out because i'm super excited about it so um to tear back the curtain a little bit as you might know considering this recording is like coming out early november we are recording this in october so it's inktober and we have seen some most excellent art, but we have been tagged in two, count them, two drawings so far by one of our favorite bandalites. And the page you should follow here is Crafty Fox Art if you want to see some awesome pictures. We have gotten a very, very angry Tobias, which has provided me with mm, all the amusement. <laughs> um, and then we got a Fluffer McKitty. Which was who is also the angry. best. Who's also angry. Basically, we inspire a lot of anger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Is that uh, a good thing? It's, you know, it's fine. But yeah, our, our, our oh. very own beloved Trisha was the one, the one who won the book from, you know, a little while ago. Um, she very awesomely runs that art page. I'm assuming is the artist, but like, I don't want to, you know, jump too hard. <laughs> Follow her page. Crafty Fox art, I believe, is what I just said. Yeah, yep. check that good, good stuff out. Yeah, it's awesome. So It's good. Anyways, just wanted to call it out because it was so very good. And shit, now Tobias is on my phone judging me. I minimized it. It's okay. We're safe. His, his power is lessened by his you minimizing power. him. <laughs> but I He's know, still there. But... I know as soon as I hit that internet tab next time, it's going to be right there in my face and I'm going to feel just as guilty. Speaking of Inktober, you've been doing Inktober. Hey. Oh, shit, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, I have been. You want to talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, sure. I can. I'll talk about it up front here because um, it's hard to find. So I don't want to plug it as like follow my page. But um, yeah, I've I've been doing uh, Inktober as well. Um, I do art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell I, me more. I draw. Um, yeah. No, I've been doing um, Adventure Zone themed Inktober's. And uh, some of them are good, a lot of them are mediocre, and there's some real shitty ones in there, too. Nope. Nope. They're all excellent. <laughs> They're all excellent. I don't know. The, I, the Trace Hor- Horny Boys one, I hadn't quite committed to the prompt yet. I'm really kind of embarrassed that I posted that one. But um, then the next day I posted Magnus Rushes In, and I think I felt, feel better now. Your Seven Birds one, like, that's that fucks me up, man. It's so epic. It's intense. And I went dark for a while there. I finally yesterday got back to the lighter lighter pieces, but, you know. But yeah, so I've been doing Inktober's. Um, I'll just say, um, if you're super interested in seeing my art for whatever reason, it's... Well, no, I have to give my name away. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, can you link to, like, an album on the Andalite Bandalite page? But if it's in, like, a group, then I'm not sure... That's a... Oh fuck it! Yeah. I keep posted. Th- I have all the pictures. I keep posted as an album on Andalite Bandalite. Oh yeah, yeah, do that. All right, cool. So I will, I will post it for anyone who is so inclined and interested on the uh, Andalite Bandalites group at the end of October. How about that? Oh my god! Next October, we should do an Inktober that's Animorphs themed. <gasps> Can we? I mean, we can. Oh, we have a year to plan it. Excellent. Okay, perfect. So. Oh, yeah, that's gonna happen now. But no spoilery stuff because I don't think we'll be done reading. By no, that time. you and I are going to finish reading in the early 2020s, so we will be pretty dang close to the end by next October. Yeah, but um, we won't have finished the last couple books, so we could do like an Inktober at the very end of the podcast to like celebrate it ending. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah. And that would only be like a month after we finish. So we could post like, because, you know, we'll have a couple follow-up episodes that aren't mm-hmm. book related. So, yeah, we could. Got to do the TV show. <laughs> yeah, we could do when we're doing the TV show. Shit. Yeah, we could do an Inktober then. Okay. Heck yeah. Oh, and since I've gotten this question from a couple of people, Inktober, for anybody who is not um, into art and shit, is uh (laughs) it's when you do one drawing a day for the entire month of october and it's theoretically supposed to be an ink but it's not a hard and fast rule you can do whatever you want Um, yeah there was a big discussion about what constitutes ink last year in the artist communities they were like digital doesn't count and other people were like let people draw what they want with whatever tools they want jesus christ it's literally just a prompt saying draw be creative every day for a month why why are you trying why are you trying to put all these goddamn rules on us we're artists we are free there's always discourse it's just ugh Calm down. Free or die. Free or <laughs> Free die. Or die. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Nice yeah. tie back. <laughs> Thank you. I just really, um, I've been cheating a lot, so I'm in the camp strictly of not all ink. <laughs> I haven't uh, been doing it at all, so you know? more power to the rest of y'all. You don't have to do it all. That's the beautiful thing about Inktober. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to do it in ink. You don't have to follow prompts. You can do whatever you want. If you want to follow prompts, great. You don't have to. Fuck it. You don't have to do it every day. You You don't have to do it. You can take days off. Yeah. You do you. 
audience. That's it, exactly. Just get creative when and where you feel like it. Anyways. It's it's almost Nanairumo as well. What's Na- what's Na- Na- <laughs> National Novel Writing Month? I don't know how to pronounce the the condensed version. Nerm? Nanorimo. <laughs> there we go. Nanorimo? That's getting a lot from some very not a lot of National volumes. Novel Writing Month. November. That's that's Nerm. That sounds like a name that Griffin McElroy would make up when he's doing an anonymous <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> or like one of his monsters from Monster Factory. Don't at me. <laughs> so, um, there was a book this week <laughs> that we read. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. We did did we read the same book this week? Uh oh god, I hope so. Me too. I think we did. Yeah. Based on our earlier discussion that we forgot to record, I think we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We started oh. talking about this book before we hit the, the record button. We were just so excited to talk about this book. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Mentally, physically, emotionally, verbally. Oh man. I'm just gonna jump in and I feel like it's not enough fanfare here. Okay, I was really apprehensive about this book because you had dropped the reference earlier that some of it was going to be narrated by Jake. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that could mean anything. And so. did it mean anything that you thought it would? I had a couple different scenarios. I didn't emotionally settle on any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think, no, what I expected to happen did not happen. Okay. And now that we're, like, thoroughly in out-of-books-that-you've-read territory, do you remember why you stopped at 18? <laughs> I I honestly think it was just, I just stopped at 18. Like, it, it might have been senior like, year when I was reading these. It's and probably maybe October. Like, yeah, it was in- October, aka senior <laughs> thesis. Um, so it was probably just, like, life found a way. <laughs> Yeah, that does that does happen, as Jeff Goldblum has told us. Life uh finds a way. <laughs> uh. He's amazing. did you see his zebra pants that he wore the other day? No. He, you should Shit. check them out on Instagram. I think it's one of the last posts he did. It's pretty oh good. Oh my god. But yeah, it was this was man, this is why I was like I'm so glad you didn't read this book beforehand because it's so intense. And I was like, just so excited for you to have that like pure experience of this. Yeah. All right. Oh, wow. These pants are excellent. Right? It just makes his long spindly legs look even longer. And spindlier. Yeah. More zebra-like. Yeah. Like he could bound away into the savannah. Into the African brush. (laughs) (laughs) A zebra screamed at my mom once. <laughs> Why? I don't know. She talked to it and it didn't like her tone. And did it do like, it's like, whoop, whoop, whoop? No, it was like Different a full on like donkey scream. Oh, It's like, shit. I did not know your mouth was capable of making those particular sounds. It must have been really mad at your mom. It was pissed. I was, was probably shocked. mad at her pants because she buys them from the paint store. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pants, Speaking that of- <laughs> are too small and not great. <laughs> yeah, pants are too small and not great. We begin in the midst of battle. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cassie and the rest of the Animorphs are fighting off Hork-Bajur in an attempt to save a woman controller who is being dragged off to meet her death. 
in, by Visitor 3 for committing some minor infraction that we aren't sure of. Um, they originally did not plan to jump into battle, but they went in expecting only a couple of hork They're like, all right, we can do this. There's like five people and like two hork But then five more hork emerged from the darkness. And uh, Cassie is engaging one of them, fighting it off as a wolf. And she leaps up right for its throat. And then Jake says, back off. Everybody back down. But it's too late. Cassie has latched onto this hork throat and ripped it open. Um, at that point, they are able to back away into the night and retreat. And Cassie is just horrified over what she's done, especially because Jake called them off. And so she quits the Animorphs. Hooray! Yay! Chapter one. <laughs> oh my god. So, like, yet another recon mission gone horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is this the first time the books have opened, like, in the middle of a battle? As I, opposed to, like, yeah. oh, huh, we're gonna go play a prank on these people that have enslaved these parrots. Like, you know, yep. usually it's just kind of dicking around. They are not dicking around anymore. They and it do frightens not. me. <laughs> it should. It should. I'm frightened and unnerved. Yeah, they, they aren't dicking around in this one. They just straight up open in a battle. And we don't even know. Like, we get a little bit of backstory. Like, oh, this happened. The woman's being dragged away. But, like, we open in the midst of battle. We don't even get a lead in. And this is why we're going. And Rachel said, let's do it. And we all rush in after. Like, it's not that, like, campy, happy kind of thing. Even though... It's not always that, but in this scenario, it was a very dark, negative, we are doing this, it's horrible, I hate this, from the get-go. Yeah. Oh, strong open, man. I really particularly loved how, as soon as they're walking away from the battle, uh, she goes in to kind of describe how everyone felt about the battle. Like, Mm -hmm. Jake sounded really tired, whereas Rachel sounded really hyped up, and Marco tried to make a joke, but it kind of failed. Tobias was really quiet. Axe was, you know, also really quiet. I just, yeah. that, that was some, like, really good kind of writing, saying a lot about the character without being like, this is Tobias, he's the weird one, Rachel is the pretty <laughs> and brave one. Like, yeah. good, good writing there. Yeah, that it was excellent. And there's a few more instances of that... <laughs> instances of that in the book that are just so good mm-hmm. oh man yeah but i i loved that too i thought that was the best introduction maybe ever to yeah. the characters um yeah so cassie quits the animorphs and then she walks home alone in the drizzle and she heads immediately to the clinic to grab her change of clothes and this was another awesome i think world building scene because it's so descriptive. Like, she's walking home in the drizzle. There's a pinprick light above the door of the clinic. They used to find it in the dark. She goes in and changes into her clothes, and she's talking about how she just, she knows it so well in the dark. She can see the computer under the exit sign. She changes completely in the dark, and then, you know, she sees the fox in the cage because it's nocturnal, so she has that moment with the fox, and then she walks into their house. Um, and her dad is sitting in his easy chair, as she knew he would be, watching the news, which is talking about a leopard escaped from a private collector. Um, and her dad greets her very, you know, upbeat, which is a little unusual. And he immediately calls to her mom, who walks in and is like, oh, Cassie, sweetheart, you're home. And Cassie's like, well, shit's gone wrong, because my mom <laughs> doesn't call me sweetheart. <laughs> 
And uh, so they have a short family meeting in the kitchen where her parents just drop the bomb on her that, like, hey, we've lost funding for the wildlife clinic and we're going to have to shut down. There's, like, I'm looking, I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but it's looking really bleak right now. And so Cassie has this complete dumbstruck moment of she's like, I've quit the Animorphs, I've lost the Animorphs. Therefore, I've lost my friends, I've lost the guy that I like, and now I'm losing all my animals. And she just is flattened. We Chapter 2! Yay! <laughs> so everything's going horribly wrong. Uh, Everything oh, is going to shit. Okay, I have a couple notes. Yeah. Uh, meds watch. Meds are medicine. Yet again, <laughs> meds, thank you, Meds Cassie. watch 2000. <laughs> meds watch 2018. Yep, that did happen again, but she didn't say it in such a pedantic way this time. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, that poor fucking fox. Holy shit. Um, because yeah. she mentions its tail had been hacked off probably by some troubled kids. And it's like, no, those aren't troubled kids. Those are psychotic asshole kids. Like, yeah. n- ugh. like yeah. hurting animals is like well on your way to becoming a serial killer. Anyway. Uh, she mentioned she'd become an expert at lying, and I was like, okay, Cindy Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, she's still not an expert at lying. No. She is she's fly by the seat of her pants. In fact, when she's lying to her dad, her dad's like, oh, I hope you didn't walk home from Rachel's. It's raining. No, nope, Rachel's mom dropped me off. Oh, I didn't hear the car. Well, you were watching TV. Like, <laughs> dude, that sounds like a you problem, dad. <laughs> That's right. Put the blame on him. You're old and wow. confused. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Harsh. I would have just said, yeah. Like, you're already, you walked from the clinic to the house. You've already got rainwater on. You'd be like, yeah, but it didn't start raining until like 10 minutes ago. It was fine. Fuck it. Why? You should... don't know me. You don't know me. You know my life. <laughs> you have to walk a mile in my wet shoes. <laughs> God. Jeez. Anyways. <laughs> this, this book. It's fun. Um, yeah. Were, were those all your notes so far? Um, and so when she's, like, realizing that, like, the clinic's being shut down and she's not in the Animorphs anymore, I thought it was kind of weird because it was kind of written in a way that made it sound like the Animorphs kicked her out and it was taken away from her. And I thought that was yeah. weird. I'm like, you yeah. left. Like, they it didn't was. wrong you. You left. I do feel, though, that that was kind of um, almost a writing device because Cassie is still very much conflicted. Even though she's sure in her decision of quitting, she's still like, what have I done? Like, like, even the very next chapter, she's sitting and thinking and like, okay, like, can I tell Jake it's all a joke? Can I go back? And then she's like, no, I, this is not me. Like, she's, she's still very conflicted. And I feel like a lot of that comes out in this writing. Because this is a brilliantly written book. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so intense. And I, I feel like every sentence in here was crafted to, to build into Cassie's conflict of what's going on. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's my theory. That okay. might not might yeah, be no, true. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Um... Yeah, so we get to chapter three, which is where last time I read this book, I realized I had fucked up. <laughs> and uh, so Cassie is laying in bed and she's just thinking about how she's lost everything. And she does eventually fall into this fitful sleep 
but her dreams are just violent and bloody and she's dreaming about being a t-rex and killing a triceratops and originally it's to save marco but eventually it just becomes her tearing this animal apart and so she's just in this bloodlust that she can't get out of so she wakes up in a panic she runs into the bathroom she sits there for a while and the bright light just like just freaking out basically um and then she starts brushing her teeth and she just keeps brushing and brushing and brushing until her gums are bleeding and like foaming up with the toothpaste and she's like is this what it's like to go insane um yeah and she eventually calms down she goes back to her room and she kind of looks out towards the barn where all the animals are just again like you know having this moment um but she can't shake the feeling that she's being watched and she says it's probably a predator attracted to the barn but it it doesn't feel like that it feels human um it gets worse somehow because uh the animorphs all come to the clinic to confront cassie she skips school which is pretty fucked up for cassie yeah that's a big deal that's a huge deal um but yeah she skips school and so nobody's had a chance to talk to her and jake just tries to understand why she's leaving and Rachel is trying something, and Marco is just mad. Like, he's just... He, I I don't know where this anger is coming from in Marco. Yeah. Like, I feel like Rachel would have done the same thing if it would, had been anyone but Cassie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because it's her best friend, she's, like, reeling it in a little bit and kind of saying, like, Marco, you're being insensitive and, like, I'm yeah. really trying here. Yeah, um, um, but Marco just attacks her. Like, it's almost like he's like, I'm the reluctant one, and I'm doing this, so what's your problem? Yeah. Which isn't fair. Like, that's not, that's no reason to be mad. But, I mean, it's, you know, people are logical. You don't have to have a reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then Tobias is there, too. He's trying to be understanding Um, But my impression of this was that because he's given up everything to be in this fight, he doesn't really get where Cassie's coming from. Um, Like, he's trying, but he doesn't really, he can't get into her mindset here. Um, So, yeah, they're going back and forth. Um, Cassie is dropping kind of some truth bombs about her friends, about how, like, you know... Tobias, maybe he just likes being a hawk. Maybe that's why, even though he has the opportunity to get out of the fight and says that's the reason why he's here, I don't think it is. I think he prefers being a hawk and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then Marco attacks her. He's like, the reason Miss Morality can't fight anymore because, you know, she... She wants to go back to this cushy life, and she wants to, like, you know, have everything be pleasant, blah, 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 and you just, you can't do that kind of a thing. Um... And then Cassie goes, no, it's because I ripped out a hork throat and I felt nothing. I felt like this was my job and I'm so desensitized to the killing that I felt nothing and I can't live like that. I have to feel things and I have to feel things are right and love things. I can't be like this. And Jake in that moment gets where she's coming from, but just kind of dismisses it like, well, okay, I can't help you. Like, I get it, but I can't help you. And Marco is upset at her still. He still is just angry. And Rachel, the worst one, Rachel's actually hurt because her best friend basically just said to her, I can't be exactly what you are because that's not right. 
And so Rachel yeah. is done with her. Yeah. She says, um, the whole world can drop dead as long as you don't have to turn into me. And I was just like, oh, my heart. Yeah. And no. Oh, my God. Like, that from Rachel, that's like, it, she's really trying her best to bear her soul to Cassie as much as she can, you know, being Rachel. Yeah. But holy shit, that was like. That was just brutal. <laughs> yeah, and like a little bit earlier, um, when Cassie was kind of describing the characters, um, she she kind of was like, "Yeah, Rachel is like her purpose on Earth is to like fight in this war," mm-hmm. and it makes it sound like like the war is actually good for Rachel and that she genuinely enjoys fighting in it. When it's like that's not the case. Like she's fighting because she has to, like not because she's like a crazy sociopath who wants to like fuck everything up. Like, I don't know. It kind of fed into the, the idea that, that she doesn't want to turn into Rachel. So like, I can see both sides of the argument. It's like, yeah, you, you want to care about things and you don't want to like give into the bloodlust. Like Mm -hmm. Rachel probably would, but Rachel's not a monster, you know, like she, (laughs) she doesn't want this war. She wants a normal life just as much as the rest of you. Yeah, and I I think Cassie even says, like, if this war had never happened, Rachel would never have become this. Like, she'd never become what she is. She would, you know, it would force her into a normal life. It would force her to live like, you know, everybody else in the world. But this war has unleashed something in her that has made her into someone else. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, <laughs> I don't know. This was, again, another feeling of, like, throughout this book i always feel in rachel's book like they're friends or most of the time i feel in rachel's books like there's friends i can feel that friendship in cassie's books it always feels like she keeps rachel at arm's length like yeah yeah this is my best friend but you know not too close i don't want to get into that i mean is it because she's kind of scared of rachel because like you take Rachel and Cassie and, like, say you're not friends with either of them. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're probably going to be less scared of Cassie than you are of Rachel. So maybe it's just that? I, I mean, I don't know. Because I feel like Cassie, of all people, and especially in this book, I think it makes that good point of she should... She should kind of trust her more. Like, she should be putting her faith in Rachel that, yeah, she can be scary and like some of the stuff she does cassie's admitted like she scares me but cassie should be able to put her faith back in her best friend and say like i still trust you and we're still good and she doesn't Mm -hmm. she does it you know with other forces in this book (laughs) but she won't do it with rachel and i don't get that that's interesting it's very interesting it's an interesting dynamic and Throughout this book, I definitely, like, just from Cassie's perspective, I can feel the friendship, but it feels like it's all coming from Rachel. Yeah, and we've we've pointed that out before. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Cassie rides out on a horse to the far end of the back pasture. She's... Uh, riding her favorite mare to try and cheer herself up a little bit, and she's going to go do some chores that she hasn't been able to get to. Um, and this one is she's going to go clean out the tub they use as a water trough in the back pasture. 
Um, when she gets there, it's already clean and done, and she looks around a little bit and sees one andalite hoof print in the ground and knows that Axe has already come out. My question is, why is there only one andalite footprint? Because that was his calling card. <laughs> oh, no. Axe is like, I would like credit for this work. And then put one single hoof print where she would find it. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, what can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> That's awesome. We anyway. uh, Anyways, yeah. So Axe has already come out and cleaned out the tub. Um, so she ties the mare to a fence post, which is a bad idea, okay? But whatever. Um, and then she notices that the horse is getting agitated. So she jumps back up and she tries to head home, but the horse is like backing and she says rearing, but like if she's never jumped, she's not a good enough rider to fucking ride out a rear. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so she's like, the horse probably just kind of bobbed up its front feet as they do. But anyways, um, yeah, the horse is freaking out and she notices where the wind is coming from. So she turns towards the woods and a second later, she sees a small red-headed girl come running out of the woods being chased by a black bear. And Cassie feels the need to do something, of course, so she urges the horse towards the bear. Um, they're headed towards a fence line, which Cassie then mentions, like, I don't know how to jump, I hope the horse does, which, like, duh, of course it does. <laughs> and uh, so the horse goes over the fence, clips it with his back feet, but, like, you know, it's probably a four-foot fence, that's very impressive. So she makes it over. And uh, the little girl has managed to climb up a tree, but the bear is going up after her. So Cassie just urges the horse towards this whole mess and yells to the girl, I'm coming to get you. So the girl manages to kind of drop out of the tree as Cassie's going past, and she just grabs the front of her jacket and pulls her onto the horse. Um, At this point, Cassie has... I know, right? this point, Cassie's lost a stirrup. She's lost her reins. She has no control of this horse. All she can do is hold on to the little girl while this horse runs blindly through the woods, um, which is a terrible feeling, by the way. Uh, It's just not good. Um, It's not great. Yeah. Uh, The bear chases them for a short time, but pretty quickly gives up and turns around to head back to her cubs, but the horse still is bolting. So Cassie looks up at one point. She sees her headed towards a river. She tries to kind of sit up to grab the reins again and just gets clocked by a branch, which sends everybody tumbling off of the horse and into the rushing water. Hooray! Hooray! This is like the most action-packed part of the book, I tell you. <laughs> That's not true. I'm sorry. That was a lie. <laughs> I'm, so, so, I'm so sorry. This is Inktober, not Lietober. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways wow. <laughs> so cassie i know it's so bad i'm sorry anyways um cassie wakes up but she's tumbling down the river and drowning she cannot get towards the surface she's hitting every rock the current's sucking her under and now she's getting confused as to where is up where is down so she tries to suck in some air but it's just water So she passes out again and is woken up by somebody kind of dragging her out of the river and then performing CPR. She sits bolt upright and pukes water everywhere. Second puke in two books. So puke watch 2018. Hashtag, I guess. Anyways. Yay. Um, So yeah, so she wakes up. She regains some of her alertness and she notices that the little girl that she saved is sitting next to her, kind of leaning back. And um, the girl basically threatens her and says, like, now we're even. I saved your life. You saved mine. We don't owe each other anything. Cassie's like, 
That's not suspicious weird. at all. <laughs> yeah, she's like, not suspicious. She's like, oh, that's a little weird. So she introduces herself. And we come to find out that this little girl's name is Karen. And that Karen's ankle is very fucked up. So um, then we, like, lead into finding out Karen has been watching Cassie ever since she killed her brother and his host body. And then we find out that Karen's a yerk and she knows that the Animorphs aren't Animorphs. <laughs> or at least suspects it. My like, name is Karen. You killed my brother. Prepare to die. <laughs> That's pretty much what she does. <laughs> like, oh my god! It's I'm just picturing like this eight year old girl, like wearing a <laughs> Levi's jacket, being like, "You killed my brother." Prepare. Yeah, her jean <laughs> Levi's jacket. It's like you could just like shove her over. Like you could, you could. Oh god. Yeah, she is definitely wearing a jean jacket. By the way, we did not make that up. That is in the book. 90s. It's canon. Jean jacket. Yeah, she's um, she's a creepy little girl. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Cassie at first freaks out that this little girl is just like, you killed my brother. I'm a yerk. I know that you're probably not Andalites. I at least suspect it. And uh, so Cassie freaks out and just starts like denying everything. But she kind of plays it cool for once. Like Yeah. Maybe she has become a lying expert. She's like a lying expert in the way that Axe is an expert on humans. <laughs> like, in her own head, she's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so Karen keeps trying to bait her, saying, like, I know you're an Andalite, or I know that you got past the two hour time limit thing, or you're a human that can morph. And Cassie's just kind of like, I'm a what? What are you saying? Like, what is she talking about there? Um, and then. There's this, oh God, such a good writing happens right here where Cassie walks over saying, like, I need to take this girl out. She cannot know. And then she just, like, you know, she reaches her hand towards her, but then just offers her hand to help her up. It's like, okay. <gasps> so good. cinematic. Oh, my God. It was so good. And then she's like, Karen couldn't stand up because her leg is so badly injured. So Cassie walks around finding a branch and she goes, okay, all it would take is one good hit with this branch and I could take her out. You know, one hit to the head and I could do it. And she hands it to her and says, this is a splint for you. And then she like, she just fake outs, yo. God, they're so good. And then she goes to like find splint materials and like, you know, goes, she starts taking off her belt. She's like, oh man, I I need to do it. The, The good thing to do, the right thing to do would to be to kill her to kill the yerk so no one knows but then she just doesn't do it she's like no not me i'm not gonna do it um, i mean to be fair like murder not not really something you just kind of go oh yeah i should kill them boof yeah that was like so there are two things playing here that i think i want to i'm just gonna like word vomit them out to you and see like what sticks <laughs> but one is that Cassie has been struggling, as we've seen, for the past several books, ever since she asked Jake to kill uh, Visitor 3's twin. Mm-hmm. She's kind of been lost. And yeah. this feels like the culmination of her asking, you know, kill him, fighting with herself. Like, we're we're working through some shit here. But um, also, it's a totally different thing to be killing someone in the heat of battle to murdering an eight-year-old in the forest. Yeah. Like, those are a far cry from each other. Yeah. It's really fucking intense. Um, and this writing is so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so Cassie goes, she collects some more sticks. She's basically just going to make Karen some sort of a splint. Um, she gives her the, the, you know, the walking stick to kind of prop herself up on. And uh, so Cassie's starting to set her leg with, like, the little bits of splinting material she found in the belt. And she goes, okay, I'm going to tighten it on five. You ready? And then she goes, one, and slams it, tightens it. <laughs> and Yay. Karen's like, you lied to me. And she's like, well, yeah, you would have tensed up on five. And she's like, this is clearly you're an Andalite. This is clearly Andalite bullshit. <laughs> you sick son of a bitch. <laughs> you sick son of a bitch. <laughs> and, like, I think this is where Cassie really, like, this outburst from Karen kind of settles her back into her pacifist role. She's like, okay, buddy, I'm fixing your leg. (laughs) Calm down, man. Calm down. You need need to chill, Karen. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Karen's enraged. (laughs) So uh, then Cassie's like, she says something like, you know, oh, I I don't know if it's going to be good. I'm not used to working with humans. And Karen's like, aha, you were an Andalite. You admit it. And she goes, no, I just work with animals a lot. I run a rehab center. And she's like, aha, great cover for an Andalite. <laughs> like, Karen is like a little oh my intense. God. <laughs> so, out of yeah. Her freaking mind. She is out of her freaking mind. Uh, it's just, she's intense, man. Um, so yeah, so once the splint is on, Cassie's like, okay, like, you know, crazy alien girl, come on, follow me, we gotta get out of this situation, you know, it's fine, and, you know, Karen's like, well, you know, you could just morph and kill me, and she's like, yeah, okay, Karen, like, I guess I could, (laughs) like, (laughs) it's pretty good, so, um, yeah, they're, they're hobbling away to find some shelter for the night, Cassie's looking around and sees that it's starting to get dark, it's going to storm, and they've got to get somewhere moderately warm if they hope to survive the night. Uh, Karen just is like, I could kill you, like, you could kill me now, and, you know, fine, just do it, why are you dragging it out? I don't understand why you're dragging me along when you could just try to kill me now, and... Cassie's like, okay, kill you with what? And she's like, ah, just morph into an, an Andalite and you can kill me with your tail blade. And she's like, oh, now I have a tail. Okay, Karen. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> like gaslighting her. <laughs> she so is. She so is. Um, and then Karen stops this nonsense and looks up at something, focusing on it. And Cassie looks up and sees a young dead deer in a tree. And Cassie goes, oh, okay, that's a deer. That's a deer. And, and uh, she, Cassie's like, predators do that when they're caching their food and karen's like okay so like what is it and cassie is like not a predator we have around here the behavior is more consistent with a leopard dun 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 you didn't think that news story bit was gonna pay off you thought i was adding unnecessary details i am not it was actually foreshadowing it was actually foreshadowing um as much of this book is yes so i need to retcon a thing um mm-hmm. and i feel really really stupid about it but um so cassie makes a point to say like we have wolves here and we have bears here evidence clearly but yeah as much as like there's probably a bunch of made-up shit in this book i have a feeling that the range of the north american gray wolf mm-hmm. is probably accurate Therefore, I don't think they are in California anymore because there weren't any gray wolves in California in the late 90s, early 2000s. So now I'm back to thinking they're up in kind of the Washington area or Oregon. 
um, where I looked it up, wolves were migrating over from like Idaho, Yellowstone, and also down from uh, British Columbia. So yet again, hopping around in the uh, <laughs> Pacific Northwest area. Nice. Yeah. <sighs> and I wondered if you were going to say that just because of how much it rains in this book. I, I mean, that too. Like, I, I should have probably not thought California for a really long time, just based on like the obvious kind of evidence against it. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to live here. I'm just trying to throw spaghetti at the walls and see what happens. I mean, I can't tell you who I they know. are or where they're I from. Know. I know. <laughs> anyway, that's my retcon. Not in California. I feel like we should create a heat map of where you think they are in each episode. I, I mean, yeah, it's... And I'm still bothered about that rattlesnake thing, because that's... I think that's the point that I decided that they were not in Washington. Because the rattlesnake range would have been way off. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I'm more likely to believe the wolf thing than the the rattlesnake range inaccuracy. We Okay, we can move on. Okay. I will continue on because I have no commentary to add to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um All right, cool. So Cassie and Karen start walking looking for shelter. By the way, this was the point where I decided it was going to be very difficult for me going forward because saying Cassie, Karen and Casey is real hard. Da, da, so, da, 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 da. Um, yeah, so Cassie and Karen. I, we should come up with a good amalgamation for them. No, never mind. Moving on. They are looking for shelter, but moving very slowly because of Karen's leg problema. So Cassie <laughs> is trying to focus on everything she knows about leopards. She apparently read a book once, which made it sound terrifying, like... Leopards appear behind you. You can wait forever to hunt them down. And when you're there staring at their kill, they'll come out from the other side like the raptor in Jurassic Park kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, clever girl. Yeah, basically. The leopards are the raptors from Jurassic Park. That's what you need to know. Um, so, yeah. So, she's, like, trying to go over everything that she knows about leopards. And uh, meanwhile, Karen is still trying to bait Cassie the whole time, saying, you know, Andalites are the busy buddies of the universe and always getting in other people's business, blah, blah, blah. And Cassie's kind of listening, but not, like, really taking the bait. And then she asks Karen who we is because she wants to make it look like she has no idea what the Yurks are. And so Karen replies, the Yurk Empire, of course. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, duh. Freaking... Uh. Karen's a little intense. She's just this tiny girl who's making all these, like, crazy evil monologues. Yeah, and, like, she's just so sure of herself. Like, she's like, obviously I'm right, and no matter what comes out of my mouth, I'm not the crazy one. Karen's great. And I imagine her this whole time being slightly Irish just because she has red hair and green eyes. Yeah. So I just, I'm imagining this tiny, like, Irish-blooded girl making these statements very angrily. <laughs> she and Rachel would get along well. So. Except for the whole, like, yerk thing. Well, yeah, I just if they were, like, two girls yeah. not in this whole situation that, like, met up and were a similar age, I think they would get along well. They would, like, cause a ruckus, like, just disaster, but they'd get along well. And they're both rich. And they're both rich. They could go to the mall and they'd probably end up baiting each other to like steal something even though they don't need to. <laughs> I don't know. Chaos. It would be a mess. It would be a chaos. Somebody write that fan fiction. Do it. 
Anyways, we need to stop encouraging people to write fan fiction. No one's taking us up on it. <laughs> um, so the da da da. Karen replies, "The York Empire." The rain starts making everything more miserable as they're walking. And Cassie thinks she spots a cave. So she tells Karen, like, sit down, let me use your crutch. And Karen's like, why don't you use your tail to cut through it? And Cassie just makes this big show of sighing and borrowing Karen's crutch to push the brush out of the way and deliberately making a ton of noise to let any large predators know that they're there if they're in the cave. Um, Cassie decides she wants to play it a little safe, so she tries to morph into Wolf to just sniff it out and make sure there's nothing there. But uh, she realizes very quickly once her senses kind of ramp up that Karen is dragging herself on her bum leg over to try and like catch Cassie in the act and so she reverts the morph and just keeps looking as a human is like whatever I'll risk it um and also Cassie can immediately hear in her head Jake's voice saying I forbid you from morphing if you're not part of the Animorphs it's a risk that we can take if you're gonna help us but otherwise do not morph so um she demorphs the cave appears empty she's like okay, I guess we'll use it, but then Karen screams, and it startles Cassie so badly that she tumbles backwards and stumbles out of the cave to find a leopard above Karen. Yay. Karen then fucking fires off two Draken beam shots because this <laughs> girl has had a weapon the whole time. Hooray! Yeah! She's crazy. Um, so she fires off two Draken beam shots, and she grazes the leopard, but her aim is very bad, and the leopard drops to the ground and kind of like rolls off to the side and gets ready to attack Karen. Um, it hesitates, though, because it sees Cassie there, and Cassie says it's kind of calculating whether or not it could take on both of them and if Cassie is a weapon. Uh, Cassie says to Karen, slowly make your way towards me, and Cassie continues to stare down the leopard, and then uh, she's she's going to Wolf very <laughs> very quickly. And she then thought speaks to Karen to keep coming towards her, but the leopard sees its chance to get at Karen's throat, and it leaps, only to be intercepted by Cassie as a wolf. As soon as the leopard sees her teeth and that it's, like, in, you know, potentially fight position now, it decides it can hunt the weak girl in its own time, there's no use in risking itself in a fight, and it takes off. Which is weird, because, like, not to jump ahead too far, but later mm -hmm. they are in that exact same position again. Where it's like, Karen's on the ground, Cassie's a wolf, and then the leopard. But then the leopard decides that, like, eh, fuck this wolf, I'll fight him. So Yeah, in that one it says because the leopard had already tasted blood. So it was already, like, uh, on the kill. Yeah. But yeah. It was probably more hungry at that point, too. Yeah, probably, since it's just been hunting these idiots for days. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, Karen says, I guess you're a werewolf after all. And shit doesn't look good. The secret's out! The secret is out. Um, and Cassie is basically like, well, the pretending game is over, so she just goes in the cave as a wolf to sniff it out, determines it's empty, she uses the wolf morph to drag in some firewood. They're like, she's like, well, I guess now that you know I'm a wolf, I'm just gonna, like, fucking do whatever. So And tell I mean, you everything? Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, now we get into heart-to-heart -heart territory. And this is why my notes are so long, because I really had to summarize the dialogue, which is not something I normally have to do in these books. Yeah. Like, there's good dialogue. I just normally, it's not as relevant to everything as it is in this book. 
Yeah, and this was like a very, very dialogue, very plot-heavy book. Yep, it was. It was, everything in this book is run, basically everything in this book is through dialogue. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, so they, they, Cassie and Karen sit around the campfire talking, and Karen kind of she's she kind of starts she tells cassie that this is her third host body and that she doesn't want it it's a weak human um she wanted a human but she wants something better and like that's you could see how shitty she was at shooting because like it has you know baby muscles instead of like cork muscles and um after karen discloses this she asks for cassie's life story and cassie immediately like it's like, oh, yeah, Elfangor is the one that gave me the power to morph. And I was like, fool! <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Cassie! <laughs> Did you learn nothing from the past 18 Jesus books? Christ! Yeah. I was like, why are you doing this? It's it's so... And I told you, I told you last one of the last times we recorded, like, this is my start of my problems with Cassie. Yeah! Because... I mean, this book is great, and it she brings up so many good points, but, like, the unnecessary risks here oh, are my too God. good. Like, I they're know. too much. At some point, I wrote, in all caps, of course, I take back everything I ever said about Rachel being reckless because Jesus fucking Christ, Cassie. Yeah, I don't know why everybody says Rachel's a reckless I, one. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, this, this is just the start of where I get really, really frustrated yeah. with Cassie. And, like, it, it brings it back. She makes so many good points, and the payoff is, is very good. But, like, this part here where she just starts disclosing everything, I'm like, you, like, you can't do this. You like, can't. It's not just your secret. It's, it's their secret, too. Yeah, exactly. It's and it's not just their secret isn't there the animorphs, it's their families and yeah. the whole earth. Like yeah. it's the entire earth. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the entire planet. And Fuck. like one of the things that just to skip ahead cuz I don't think it's going to like really spoil anything. But like one of the things they talk about in this book is how diverse Earth is and how incredible it is and how yeah. it has all of this beauty to it. And the Yerks are gonna raise it to the ground. Like they they we've already discussed they're gonna make Earth as much like the Yerk homeworld as possible. So what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, they do. And she just doesn't whatever well and she mentions a bunch of times in this book she, like she said or did this thing and she's like oh i didn't even think about that it's like yeah no shit oh my god yeah Fuck. the amount of times that she's like this never even occurred to me and i'm like well what did occur to you <sighs> jeez cassie, cassie come on dude cassie seriously cassie oh my god I'll, I'll just continue on because like we've got to get to the part where we're not so angry <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> um Karen says that she knows Elfangor's name because she was once one of Visor 3's personal guards, which is pretty interesting because it feels like that's higher ranking than where she is now. So yeah, did like, she take a demotion? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it probably saved her life, but um, yeah, so they, they both acknowledge that without the Draken Beam, 
that Cassie can now morph and kill Karen anytime. But again, Cassie will not. Um, and Cassie asks if the reason that she was goading her before was because she was going to stun her mid-morph and take her to Visor 3, and Karen admits, yeah, that was my exact plan. So, it's an interesting standoff. Cassie accuses Visor 3 of murdering Alfangor, and Karen says, in war there is no such thing as murder, and then says, if Alfangor was murdered, then what did Cassie do to her brother, the hork And Cassie says, it's different because humanity is defending itself, you came here and you attacked us, and Karen says that the Yurks have a right to grow too, and then likens it to having cows and pigs. And Cassie, in a very un-Cassie-like way, says humans aren't pigs. And Karen says, to us you are, and then follows it up with oink oink. Damn. <laughs> because Karen's kind of mean. <laughs> you're, kind, you're, kind, you're kind of mean, Karen. You're a little it's mean, a little, Karen. It's a little below the belt, Karen. It's a little rude, Karen. Reel it in, Karen. Jesus. And, the other part of this that I thought was so rude is because when I read it to you, I said it like, you know, an old British man when I went oink, oink. But in my oink, head, oink. I imagine her doing like the little, like she pulled up her nose and like made like snorty ziggy, piggy, piggy, piggy Ziggy, piggy, ziggy, ziggy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it was like. <laughs> uh, Horrible. And this is like oh god that that standoff is kind of like the start of the really deep parts of this book that we're going to get into. Yeah. Um yeah, so Cassie and Karen are taking turns staying awake to guard the cave and Cassie talks about how weird it is to trust a yerk like your enemy um which it is. So <laughs> soon enough it's Cassie's turn to sleep and she's like Meh probably not gonna fall asleep but she does eventually drift off and she has a dream which is just replaying the battle for stealing the pamelite crystal in her head where eric the chi goes batshit and uh she dreams of him and his pearl and white robot dog body killing everything and wakes up screaming and karen asks what the dream was about and she's like it sounded like a battle you kept like going no no and then you know the screaming shit and Cassie's like, yeah, it, it was a battle. And Karen goes, well, it couldn't have been too bad because you won because you're here. And Cassie corrects her and says, no, this battle haunts me. It haunts me every day. And Karen angrily says that, like, it can't. Humans love conquest as much as Yerks. And then Cassie goes, well, we don't. At least not all of us do. And then Cassie or Karen disagrees and Cassie reminds her, like, hey, if you don't believe me, I just, I still haven't hurt you. I still haven't done anything but try to help you. And Karen has doubts. Doubts. They wake up the next morning. It is a bright and clear day, and they start to move out after Karen has a minor freak out about how she lost her Draken Beam, which she also stole and also wasn't supposed to have and also isn't supposed to be on this mission. So she's like, well, if I bring you back, though, they'll probably go easy on me. And Cassie's like, cool brah <laughs> like yeah it's it's a weird conversation um but they quickly determine it has been washed down to the river and they will never find it again um karen and cassie start moving out and they they karen complains about how hungry she is cassie finds some mushrooms which she knows are edible because of a report she did in class the year before i guess yeah um and then Karen has a total, like, child moment and says, I don't like mushrooms. 
<laughs> mushrooms are delicious. Calm down. They are delicious. Karen, oh you're God. wrong. Mushrooms Karen, you're are great. Freaking wrong. Right. Next morning, bright and clear, blah, blah, blah. Gun washed away, so on, so forth. And Cassie gets this wild idea into her head as they're walking that maybe she can turn Karen. <gasps> it's it's a crazy thought. I mean, you already told her all of your deepest, darkest secrets, so it's kind of no turning back now, Cassie. There's no turning back, Cassie. You're in. <laughs> um, yeah, so Cassie starts asking her questions like, what's it like with Karen in your head? Like, what what is she like? And, and the year gets angry again because she's like, Karen just sits in my mind and just hates me. She just cries. She screams. And it's just always hate, hate, hate. And Cassie pushes her saying, let me talk to Karen. I bet that's not totally true. Like, let's hear what she has to say. And Karen's yerk gets even angrier when Cassie points out that Karen doesn't hate her. She she pities her. And I keep saying her for the yerk, but it doesn't actually specify that. So I'm going to try to be better from here on out about using them, their pronouns for the Yerk, because this is when the Yerk becomes a separate entity from Karen. Yeah. So, and there is, it's a very clear distinction at this point that Cassie has decided to try and turn the Yerk. It is very clear now because it, she, she still refers to Karen as Karen, but she really starts to refer to the Yerk as Karen's Yerk. Um, so I will try to switch up my pronouns. I will probably fuck it up. I apologize. Um, so Karen Jerk threatens Cassie. They'll see how much pity that she has once she's enslaved. Meaning Cassie's enslaved. Um, they're walking along. Cassie spots some deer and points them out to Karen. And Karen says Bambi. And the Yerk mentions that <laughs> it's Bambi. And that that was Karen's favorite tape. To which Cassie agrees. It's a very good movie. <laughs> it was the weirdest <laughs> they bonded aside. over Bambi. They literally bonded over Bambi. Oh my god. And no one said, what about when the hunter shot Bambi's mom? Which seems kind of relevant to this conversation. Oh. I'm surprised Disney didn't sue. Can, can they sue for that? Like for mentioning them in the universe? I don't know. I just know that they are they have very good lawyers and they care very deeply about any of their IP being mentioned anywhere, ever. Are we going to get sued? Do we need to cut out everything we've said about Disney? No, uh, probably because this podcast is free. Oh, okay, cool. We're, we're yeah, you can't have our money, this, idiots. We don't is, have any. This is literally free advertisement to go buy the videotape of Disney's Bambi, so eat something anyways um cassie agrees bambi is a good movie and then karen's yerk asks why do humans sentimentalize everything and cassie says because life is precious and they talk for a while about how cassie has not been feeling herself lately um she's just been feeling apathy for everything and Karen goes, well, of course, your old life was so boring, and this one is so awesome. Like, how could you ever find your old life interesting? Because it sucked. <sighs> and Cassie disagrees, but she can't really articulate why she's wrong. Um, so then Karen starts telling Cassie about how Yerk life is, and about how they have, you know, they're born in this pool by three Yerks combining. They all become one body, and then it breaks apart into grubs, and each grub that falls away becomes its own Yerk, although there is sometimes twins. And uh, they grow up in this pool, and they can kind of touch. They have a good sense of touch. They have a good sense of smell and some ability to talk in high-pitched squeaks, but they don't. They can't see. And so anytime they want to, like, you know, 
move on from this one pool where they live their entire life, they have to infest something. And that there are yurks that don't want to enslave these host bodies, and there's yurks that want the middle ground, but, you know, they they have to see. They want to see the world. It's not fair that they can't. Which and, is a good throwback to um, the the whole Ciro's kindness thing. Because mm-hmm. that's a whole reason that Ciro gave them space travel. Yeah, because he wanted them to see the world. Yeah, That's, like, initially all they want. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important about this chapter is Cassie's describing and it never says this in the book but she's like depressed yeah that's that's depression and i mean yes and feeling apathy for you know killing and everything that's a that's a survival tactic that's a defense mechanism yep and the fact that she was able to like recognize it is she's in touch with her own self yeah because I don't know if the other uh, characters have really gotten to that point yet. Maybe Jake. Yeah. Maybe. But he doesn't recognize it, even if he has. Yeah. And then Rachel would bury it deep. Yeah. And punch something. She would something. not react. And <laughs> punch many things. Um, yeah. But it's it's just... It's interesting, like, this whole conversation. Um, and then Karen, too getting so worked up about how they're born and how they live and how, like, we don't want to be these slugs forever. And we might not necessarily want to infest somebody, but the alternative is to live this terrible life. So how can you deny us this? Um, And she does at some point pick up a caterpillar and tell her, this is as helpless as we are in our normal state. And why, why do you want me to just be this forever? And... Cassie, she confronts Cassie and says, if you were in my position, what would you do? And Cassie doesn't know, so she just kind of turns her head away and spots the leopard. Dun, dun, dun. Which I spelled wrong in all caps, so my autocorrect would not fix it. Did you spell it like Def Leopard? <laughs> I wish. I spelled it Leopard. Kate and Leopard, the hit movie. <laughs> Kate and Leopard. <laughs> uh... Anyways, um... Yeah, so the leopard leaped and had Karen. It was on her, and Cassie tried to rush over and help, but was swatted away by the leopard. It was just too powerful. Um, the leopard was distracted by a hit to the head. It was an osprey! Whee! Some crazy bird at random decided to attack. Just kidding. It's Marco. It's Marco! Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Um, yeah, it came in for a second attack, but it was futile. The leopard struck the osprey and just crumpled it to the ground. Uh, and then the leopard clamped its jaws on Karen's leg and started to drag her away, kicking and screaming. Cassie was going to wolf, and she started following the leopard on crazy bandy morphy legs where she was stumbling around and having problems, <laughs> which was a hilarious image in my head. Oh, no. Um... Yeah, she followed the leopard that was dragging Karen away while she was morphing, and she finally completes the morph and squares up with the cat. And this is where I think you were talking about, but um, Cassie said that she thinks that it had switched from, like, it was hunting prey to now it had a kill, per se, and was guarding its kill instead of just hunting. Yeah, it's defending, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, she squares up against the leopard, 
And Cassie's like, I don't know if I can win this one. So she called out to Marco and said, like, I'm going to need some help here. And then she charged the cat. And that's when she knew she couldn't win this one because the thing sliced her like 10 times and she didn't even get to the cat. Like she didn't leave a mark. And so now the leper knew that it could totally take her down and it was getting ready to fight Cassie and just murder her when a gorilla materialized behind her. The odds were so bad now for the cat that it slinked away, staring them down. And Cassie's like, I don't think this thing likes losing. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. in Tarzan when the the leopard or the jaguar comes and attacks the gorillas? And then there's mm. that epic fight. I was just like, man, there's a, there's a gorilla, there's a leopard. It's happening. So you think this book was just her trying to take down Disney's IP? Maybe. Nice. Maybe. Good. I like that this book, I originally thought it was a lot of discussion about morals and niceness, but now I see it's just a war on Disney, and I'm still here for it. Or it could have been, hey, Disney, look how awesome these books are. Maybe you should make an animated adaptation. Ooh, that would be fun. Like, hey, man, it's the golden era of animation. Pick up the Automorphs. Yes, because this was before they fired all the animators. Yay! <laughs> This was back when they could buy a whole house out of a single paycheck. Huh? Don't, didn't we watch that documentary together about the animators talking about like the bonuses they would get after the movies would come out, like Beauty and the Beast and, and stuff, where they'd get bonus checks that were like enough to buy a whole house with just one check? Wow, that would never fly today. No, it would not. But that was, I swear we were watching it together, but maybe I just thought you were there because anytime I watch something about animation, I think you're there with me. <laughs> I mean, it's likely that's true. I just didn't absorb that particular factoid into my oh, brain. Oh, see, pan. that stuck out to me because I was like, how do I get on that level? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they don't do that anymore. Animator I was salaries like... <laughs> are like 50K if you're really good, I think. <laughs> Oh, God. I was sitting there eating my saltine crackers, which were all I had to eat for the week, going, how do I get on that level? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. Oh, man. Yeah, it, that always stuck out to me because of, like, d well, one, because they were talking to, like, all these animators that had worked on Beauty and the Beast and, and The Little Mermaid and, like, all sorts of things. And, and then, like, just them saying that, like... No, you gotta understand how intense it, these movies were. Like when they came out, like how successful they were. And they, the one guy's like, "Yeah, I once got a check. I could, or like I, a few times got a check. I could like buy a whole house." And I was like, "Holy crap, that's amazing!" In California, wow, it's crazy. So, yeah. Anyways, Marco is bragging about being the cavalry and saving Cassie, but Cassie is not as excited about that because she is trying to get Karen to pay attention to her. And not say anything to Marco. Do not tell him you are a yerk. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> and Marco's like, I see you whispering. Because Cassie's demorphing throughout all this. She went from thought speak to whispering to her. And he's like, I see you whispering with that strange girl. I'm going to back away. I'm going to come back as myself. And you just tell me what's going on here. And so Cassie continues desperately whispering to Karen do not tell him what you are. Do not say anything. You, he'll kill you. And Karen is like, why are you trying to protect me from them? And then she goes, oh, you're trying to turn me, aren't you? She figures it out and then laughs like, ha ha, that's futile, you idiot. And Marco's like, 
yeah, that is futile, Cassie, you idiot. <laughs> and he's morphed Osprey and is listening in on the conversation, and he's real pissed. <laughs> so Marco instantly is like, we gotta kill her. We gotta kill her. We gotta kill the Yerk. The Yerk can come out if if they want, and we can kill the Yerk, and so we don't have to kill the girl, but we'll kill the girl. Like, I'm fine with that. And um, Cassie is just begging him, please do not. Please. There's There's someone in there... There's a little girl in there, and you know someone in a similar position as this. And you know what? We both have a mutual friend whose brother is in a similar position to this. You cannot kill this girl. And Marco's not budging. He's like, no, no, no. We have to do this. So um, Karen then gets into an argument with Marco, or Karen's yerk gets into an argument with Marco about how, you know, same sort of idea. Like, humans are no more to them than pigs or cows and so they, they're just viewing them as, you know, this prey that they can eat or the sustenance. And Marco's arguing they can't do that because they're human. And, like, if that argument didn't work with Cassie, it's just not going to work with Marco. Yeah. Like, she does not get it. Um, so the tension is ramping up with Karen's yerk and Marco screaming at each other. And Cassie's like, it's the three of us here. It's so tense, blah, blah, blah. And she goes... Actually, there's four of us here, and I need someone else to weigh in on this. The fourth person that's here. So she gives the Yurkin out. She starts to morph Wolf and presses her ear against Karen's ear, like walks up to her, grabs her head, pulls her ears together. The Yurk does not hesitate and immediately Ugh. crawls into Cassie's head. And Marco, who is, because she's morphing Wolf and Marco's a human, he's helpless in this moment. He calls her a fool, and he starts going Osprey because Cassie didn't think of this. But at this point, the Yerk now has the power to morph and can get anywhere at any time. And Marco is helpless to stop her. Wee, so, you idiot! Yeah. Hammond, you idiot! Yeah. <laughs> Hammond! <laughs> oh, yeah. no! Oh, my God. Cassie, what the Why fuck? have you done this? I can't believe you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> I was uh, like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, you know, as a reader, like, you know everything's going to turn out. Well, I mean, you don't know. You, you I don't, don't know. know. I was like, okay, this could go very bad. But, like, you, I assume, based on how many books are left in the series, that it works out amicably in the end. But if I didn't know that, what the fuck were you thinking? Oh! I mean, they could have continued the series and just subbed in, like, subbed in oh, Axe or Tobias for Cassie. Oh, my, yeah, like, if Cassie was just, like, a controller for the rest of the series and she was, like, the, the, the other baddie. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That would have been really interesting. Holy shit. Yeah, that would have been... I mean, let's take a moment and walk down this path. That would have been an incredible series. Oh, my God. I mean, it's still incredible now, but, like, wow. Well, and you take the most, like, pacifistic, like, morally, you know, aware character and make her the controller and make her, like, suffer that. Oh, my God. That would have been hardcore. Oh, my God. And make her suffer that, but also... A high-ranking Yerk now that has to live in Cassie's head? What would she have done to that Yerk? And oh. how would that have power-balanced, kind of? Oh, my God. I don't like it. 
I don't like, and also then two morph capable visitors, because I assume she'd be a visitor. Like she'd probably just get promoted right the fuck up there. So like two, at least a visitor, sub visitor, whatever that are morph capable, and now they know that they're just kids. I don't like any of this. That would have been a crazy twist. Oh my god. Wow. And it was right there in our hands. Maybe <laughs> maybe if this had been for like an older um target audience, maybe they would have mm-hmm. gone that route. Yeah. I do wonder that sometimes reading these where I'm like, okay, yeah, that was clearly because it was a kid's book. Yeah. But... Like like don't get me wrong, these books explore some very heavy topics mm-hmm. and very like mature topics, but it's balanced with, you know, like, they are usually victorious in some way. Like, they suffer the consequences yeah. of whatever they did in that particular book. But it's it's never too dark so far. Yeah. Yeah, and we are still pretty, like, it doesn't feel like it because we are, like, a third of the way through right now. But it, it like, it is still pretty early in the books. Like, we're in the top half of, of everything that goes down. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh my God. Shall we continue on? Uh, yeah. Let's. let's okay. Because I I think we're gonna have a lot at the end to kind of yeah. try to wrap up. Yeah. And I don't think we're gonna be able to do it, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> so, uh, Marco takes off, telling Cassie that she may now be the one to die. And Cassie very quickly gets taken over. She is surprised by how quick it is, and she doesn't try to fight it. The Yerk. We are now introduced to officially as Aftran. So, and a number designation, which I didn't write down because who cares? So, um, <laughs> Aftran, as we now know the Yerk, oh God, looks up at Marco as he takes off using Cassie's eyes. She realizes she has no control. The real Karen is crying on the ground, just begging to go home. And Aftran starts looking through Cassie's memories to find out every detail of her life. Um, although focusing more on the Animorphs and, and what's happened to her since she's become an Animorph, and of course is surprised that it's just kids and an Aris. It's not any real Andalite forces. Um, and then she looks through every single one of their secrets and replays all sorts of things, but focuses specifically on the night that Cassie killed Aftran's brother. Um, and Aftran looks through everything. How Cassie's betrayed the Animorphs and, and how... This whole war has been going down from their perspective. And then finally, Aftran focuses on the memory of the Osprey and morphs. So Aftran takes off and instead of flying immediately to some sort of Yerk headquarters or to a phone to call up somebody, Aftran just flies around looking through the Osprey eyes and enjoying flying and enjoying seeing everything in such clarity and meanwhile cassie's in the back of her mind just beating herself up and going why did i do this why did i think this was the right decision i've betrayed the entire human race and now there's nothing i can do about it and it's just a very intense scene (laughs) like the tension here of cassie just thinking she's done the wrong thing but still trusting in herself to say I made this decision though, but why did I why did I do it? There's a reason I did it. Yeah. She's not complaining, going, why, why, why me? She's going, why did I decide this? There has to be a reason. 
Oh, oh my God. It, it's so intense. Well, and I was kind of reading it as she would have rather been a controller than, you know, spill someone else's blood. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it just it just kind of like read to me as like, I don't feel anything anymore. Like nothing matters because like I'm out of the Animorphs and I, my clinic is shutting down and I would have to kill this person. I don't want to do any of that. So I'm just going to give up. Like, honestly, that's how I read it a little bit. I could, yeah, that could, that totally makes sense. She's like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. But then she didn't think about the consequences of, like, what that means and that right. she has betrayed her friends and the entire human race and now is now going like, oh, shit, that was bad. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that is very bad, Cassie. Y'all. You, you made a very, very, very risky decision here. You done fucked up. You done fucked up. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so d- anyways, after and just keeps circling over the forest and pretty quickly they see some woods forest rangers b- below them. But after and realizes, oh, those are controllers. I know some of those guys. That's probably not good. And then they see the animorphs off in the distance. They're flying towards them as they're different, you know, complete thing of birds. What shall I call this? <sighs> cornucopia of birds. <laughs> It's Thanksgiving a themed. of birds. It's Thanksgiving themed. Cornucopia of birds. Oh, man. So <laughs> um, they see the Animorphs coming towards them. And Aftran just is very negative in this moment <laughs> where they're, she's looking at the controllers and she's going, okay, so if they find Karen without me in Karen, then that's problematic and I'm going to get in trouble. But if the Animorphs get to me and I'm in you, they're going to take me and starve me out. And uh, this is just, there's no really good option for me right now except to turn you over. Like, that's my option. She goes, otherwise it's, or Aftran, not she. Aftran decides that there is no good option in this scenario. And uh, any way that they slice it, it will not work out well for Aftran. So... Cassie then proposes a peace between them. And Aftran just goes, there will never be peace between the Yerks, the Andalites, and the humans. That's insane. And Cassie goes, no, 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 not between all of them, between you and me. And Aftran then turns back towards Karen with dread bubbling up. Aftran flew back to Karen, but as she passed over the controllers, um, Aftran called that there were Andalite bandits headed their way in the form of birds. And Cassie goes, oh my god, I've fucked up. But then she realizes, Aftran said, Andalite bandits. So they're not entirely hopeless yet. So they flew back to Karen and demorphed. And Karen is horrified once um, Karen sees Cassie coming out of this bird, but can't get away with the injured ankle. So Aftran grabs Karen pulls her head to Cassie's ear, and even while, you know, Karen's screaming and crying, reinfests her. And they don't have long, but Aftran says they think they have at least two hours. So Aftran tells Cassie that if she, or if Karen, she, and Aftran are to give up everything and to do this, then Cassie needs to give something up too. And she hands Cassie a caterpillar and says, this is 
what will happen once if if I go back and if I just live my life without taking any hosts this is what I am I'm blind I am a worm caterpillar I I can't see I can't do anything I I'm helpless and it's horrible and so they hand the caterpillar to Cassie and says absorb its DNA and Cassie does uh, uh. yeah um so the deal is Cassie has to morph the caterpillar and if she becomes a caterpillar nothlet then Aftran will never take another host and will let Karen go free and Cassie resists at first and thinks about her life and her family and what what she has to give up and Aftran's like yeah I know me too and so Cassie starts to morph into the caterpillar and she slowly changes as slowly as she can she tries to hold on to every last shred of humanity that she can and the last thing that she sees as she's morphing into this caterpillar are Karen's green eyes and then she falls to the ground blind and is fully a caterpillar um, and instead of trying to control its instincts she feels its simple instincts and it's urgent need for something and she just succumbs to it and at this point in the book is when i made a an educated guess as to what was going to happen at the end yeah which i won't and was it right yes it was (laughs) (laughs) okay okay yeah that's that's fair enough because the cover and everything but um yes we cut to jake's perspective Marco gets back to the team and quickly catches everybody up on what's happened. Jake let us know from their perspective that as soon as they heard that Cassie was missing, they started searching. And Marco made a comment about how she wasn't an Animorph anymore, so it's not their problem. And Rachel just fucking flattened him. She's <laughs> like, fuck that. Oh my god, Rachel's great. Yeah, she is so great. Um, so they've been searching as owls, and then they realized instead of looking, they should use other things that they have. So they went to Wolf, and they tracked her down to at least the river where they found, like, some shredded stuff, and, and her scent disappeared. Then they went back to birds as soon as the sun came up the following morning. And they had been looking along the river, and they're they're looking for her body. They said they are just looking for her body because she has the ability to morph. She could have just flown home if nothing had happened to her. But they hoped. <laughs> And then Marco did eventually find her, and they all had their say about what Cassie did, why she did it, and um, at this point, I'm just going to refer to the book for each of their conversation pieces about what, what they think happened with Cassie when she allowed herself to become a controller. So we start, she's an idiot, Marco concluded savagely. Right now that yerk in her head knows everything, everything. Why would Cassie do this, Axe wondered. It's obvious that this controller must be eliminated. Cassie must have had a reason, Rachel said. Of course she had a reason, I said. That's Jake, remember we're in Jake's perspective. Yeah, what, Marco demanded. What reason could she have for giving us all up to the Yerks? You really don't know, Marco, I asked him. You really don't know why someone would not want to kill, or even to stand by and let someone else kill? She has no choice, Marco said. There's always a choice, Tobias said. I can't get mad at someone not wanting to take a life. I can't get mad at someone for thinking life is sacred. I just can't. And that is what each of the kids had to say, basically. Yeah, until we get to the very end where Rachel goes, This is a war, Rachel said coldly. We're fighting for our lives. We have a right to do whatever it takes to win. 
Maybe we'll lose, maybe we'll win, I said. But if we win, and someday it's all over, you'd better hope that there are still plenty of Cassies in the world. You'd better hope that not everybody has decided it's okay to do whatever it takes to win. Damn. Fuck. (laughs) Ah. Yeah, like... God. That reminds me of, um... I forgot what, what book it was when you read that that uh, post that somebody wrote about Cassie. Yes. Oh, man. Just, I think there's nine. Yeah, it must have been. Just so yeah, many, I... like, thingies. So many moral questions, and none of them are easy answers, and... Christ. I, and I just... Like... This is this almost harkens back a little bit to the ending of Jake's last book where his mom says, like, I don't envy your position and what kids have to say is important. It's like in that book, we're told what kids have to say is important. And in this book, we are challenged to say, what is your position on this? And it, are you, you know, have you thought about the consequences? Right. It's just I love these adult questions asked in this way. So, Rachel spots Cassie flying above the treetops, and they want to rush after Cassie immediately, but they have to demore first because they are right up against the two-hour time limit. And X, of course, very pleasantly announces through this entire book, if we don't want to stay in these bodies anymore, we should demorph, unless we just want to stay this way. And everybody's <laughs> like, okay, X, thanks. Thanks, thanks. thanks bud. Thanks for reminding <laughs> us the rules of our situation. Yes, thank you. We are We are all... Happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good boy. He's a good, good boy. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So anyways, um, they go, they demorph, they remorph, and they start up again after Cassie, now knowing they have the full two hours to get to her and do whatever they have to do. And they're flying over. They see the state trooper below, but they're not too concerned until suddenly they're being shot at. And Rachel is hit and just goes tumbling down to the ground. And Jake quickly takes off after her. He tells Tobias, go get Cassie, Marco and Axe, you're with me. And they head after Rachel. The controllers are just waiting for Rachel's eagle body to hit the ground so they can shoot her. But at the last possible second, Jake swoops in, knocks her out of the way and into some brush, followed closely by Axe, who is also able to grab onto her and help him move her off away from these controllers a little ways. Um, X immediately starts demorphing, but there's not enough time for everybody else to pass through human morph to get into a battle morph. So he says to Axe, get Rachel and run. Marco, you and I need to get out of here. So Axe grabs Rachel, takes off, and Jake and Marco barely make it out over the controller's heads, but are airborne. Tobias, by the time they get there, is already with Karen, and the rest of the team lands pretty quickly afterwards, and they're all surrounding her. And they start demorphing around Karen, who is just sitting there staring at the ground with tears streaming down her face. And we find out that Cassie made it to the two-hour time limit, and Cassie is now a nothlet of a caterpillar. And we also find out that Karen has been screaming at her towards the end of it to demorph. She's proved herself that was enough, but she forgot that Cassie couldn't hear her and that she had no way to get through to her and so now Cassie's stuck Oh no! and uh Jake is like tell me what the deal was because Karen that's her only recourse when everybody else is starting to go after her when when Rachel's 
Rachel immediately starts going elephant. And she tells Karen, like, oh, I'm glad that you're going to run because I'm going to chase you down before I kill you. And Marco is <laughs> obviously been in a rage the entire time. Um, Axe is there as well. He's not saying much right now. But Rachel's definitely going to kill her. And Jake is just as enraged as everybody else. But he goes, tell me what the deal is. And so she recounts, you know, if Cassie turns into the caterpillar, becomes a Nothlet, then I will let my host go and I will never infest another one. And so Jake has to make this decision now. He's realizing as Karen's telling him this, that he's, if he makes a decision to kill her, he's undoing everything Cassie did. And it's, it might not work though. The, the yurt could still be fooling them and they could still lose everything. And Cassie's also a Nothlet. And so he just, he doesn't, know what to do he's starting to contemplate all of this when the leopard drops down onto karen <laughs> because the leopard is still hunting her Wee. um yeah and rachel's mid-morph jake is mid-morph axe could get to the leopard to stop it but he's not going to move without an order and jake goes good let the leopard do her dirty work but then it's marco who unexpectedly comes to her aid by grabbing the leopard and throwing it into the forest wow rude rude but what what does what does it mean that it was marco that did that i know oh god i li i was asking myself that and i'm like i the only thing i come up with is that marco believes in cassie more than he wants to let on but yeah i don't know oh. rachel thinks it's because marco wanted to save karen for her <laughs> In her infinite wisdom. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so anyways, it Jake is still, it's even now, he's still wrestling with this decision of like, what do I do? And now that Karen's saved, he has to make this decision. And Rachel is just raging about how she wants to destroy her. But Jake doesn't feel that. And I am going to read you jake's little speech in this moment because it's awesome <laughs> is basically why um so jake says i guess sometimes you have to choose between smart sane ruthlessness and totally stupid insane hope i said not even realizing i was speaking out loud you can't just pick one and stick with it either each time it comes up you have to try and make your best decision most of the time i guess i have to go with being smart and sane but I don't want to live in a world where people don't try the stupid, crazy, hopeful things sometimes. I looked at Rachel, towering above all of us. Rachel, I'm not going to give any orders. Each of us has to decide for ourselves right now. That's how he solves that problem. Whee! Yeah. He tells the team, pick for yourself. Which I would love to be in Axe's head right now. Oh. <laughs> because Axe's reason for not going after Karen was, I do what my prince says. Right. And now the prince has said, do what you want. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> I, it's, I don't know either. Like, so um, here, here's what happens next. Uh, Jake picks up Cassie. He says, you're all making your own decisions. He walks away into the forest. And one by one, the team joins him away from her and the last person to appear there 
is Rachel, who is fighting back tears. And she tells Jake that Cassie was her best friend, and she's not going to be the one to call Cassie a fool in this moment. And so she takes the chrysalis from Jake and promises to protect it. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Then we switch back to Cassie's perspective. And it's more of just an impressionistic, she was gone for a long time. She saw some things like colors and, and kind of far off faces of people that she knew, but she didn't really know what it meant. Um, until finally she woke herself up with her own movements and started to break out of her chrysalis. And she emerged a beautiful butterfly, and she emerged into the world with an explosion of color and plants and beautiful things. And she remembered everything from her life and everything that she gave up. And she kind of immediately accepts that her life's work was now going to be to pollinate flowers and to create beauty in the world. Damn. She accepted it. Then we cut back to Jake. (laughs) Tobias shot by his classroom window and let him know that it was happening. And Jake (laughs) yells out loud to his entire classroom, It's only been ten days! (laughs) And everyone looks at him like he's out of his fucking mind. (laughs) I loved this. I love this part too. And then he goes... I gotta go to the nurse. I'm not feeling good. And the teacher's like, "Wait till the end of class." And he's like, "I'm gonna hurl." I have and a need to use the restroom. <laughs> oh God! And Rachel also goes, "I'm gonna hurl and leaves," but Marco yells, "I need a nicoderm patch. I'm trying to break the habit. Don't stop me!" You absolute goon, Marco. <laughs> I loved this chaotic so much. maniac. Sweet, <laughs> stupid boy. I would pay any amount of money in the world to play D&D with Marco. Oh my god. I love him. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I love him too. Don't stop me. I'm going to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, so they gather at the garden behind Cassie's house, which is where she's been under Tobias's protection. And they all sit and watch her emerge and dry off her wings and start to flap and fly away. And Axe kind of wobbles up as her wings are drying. And he he looks really closely and goes, oh, what's this? Like, <laughs> what's he oh, doing? What, what's this thing? <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's Cassie in her new form. And, and Axe kind of like contemplates this for a minute. He's like, oh. Would she prefer that body over her human body? And Rachel's like, oh, of course not, Axe. Of course she wants to be human, but at least she has this. She doesn't have to be a caterpillar. And then Axe goes, oh, well, she prefer her human body. She should just demorph then. And Rachel... Axe! Accidentally, yes, girl, these still. What the hell? You mean... <laughs> And Rachel literally grabs him by the front of his shirt. And she's like, what? You're telling me she can demorph? And Axe is like, oh, well, it's naturally occurring morphing. Why didn't you say anything? It should have reset the two-hour time limit. And then somebody yells, get that butterfly. And they they all take off after her. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, So, yeah, we, we get back to Cassie, who was able to demorph from a butterfly and she met up with her parents again and said she survived in the wild eating mushrooms so 
they they then published a hilarious news line story where it was like you know girl survives through eating mushrooms and she's like it sounds like the mushrooms were the problem in this story <laughs> <laughs> um so she her life slowly went back to normal with the exception that they now lived in fear every single day that the controllers were going to show up at their houses and take them and their families um and the, the fears started to subside but they still all had it in the back of their minds and then her dad came home very pleased one day doing terrible dance moves to inform her. <laughs> I love her she parents. says that. I love them. <laughs> They're so good. Oh my God. Uh, so he's doing terrible dance moves and he informs her that a mysterious donor, the head of Unibank, wanted to donate the money to keep the wildlife clinic open because his little girl has been telling him repeatedly that that would make her happy. And so he basically just says, here's a blank check. How much money do you need to keep my little girl happy? Oh, my God. Which I don't know why I imagine that's his accent, but I do. <laughs> so um, Cassie did know who the little girl was, but wondered who the little girl really was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Cassie decides that she's going to let Rachel drag her to the mall because she wants to add some new color into her wardrobe. And she's realizing what a miracle it is that they can see all they can and they have the freedoms that they do. They're so privileged as a species. While they're at the mall, Cassie notices a familiar little girl. It's Karen. Cassie goes over to give her a hug and Karen tells her that Aftran would have been so glad that she got out because that's what Aftran wanted in the end. And then the bargain remained. Karen was freed and Aftran was never going to take another host. And Cassie ends this book by telling Rachel to whip out the credit card. They're adding some color to her wardrobe. And that is this book. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. What an incredible book. <laughs> oh, God. It was so heavy. <gasps> it was so heavy. And there was parts of it that I was like, oh, my God. Like, allowing Cassie to escape at the end through that loophole. I was like... Oh, it felt so forced. But... I, yeah. I, I wish that the cover of this book didn't look like it did. Because it's basically yeah. a spoiler. It is basically a spoiler. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure I would have been able to guess that that Cassie was going to circumvent the two-hour time limit by, by doing the butterfly thing. Like, I... Ugh. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, if there wasn't a butterfly on the cover, if it was a, the caterpillar, we would have been like, oh, shit, that's the plot point. Yeah. Like, that's it. But because it was a butterfly, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, she's gonna... Thanks, Galastic. <laughs> you ruined this book for me. Uh, yeah, it, it did. But, oh, my God, the questions asked in this book. I mean, I think I read the really, really kind of important points that I didn't want to paraphrase and screw up. And... Jake making that speech about how he wants to do the reckless, hopeful thing sometimes. Yeah. And then even Rachel being like, I'm not going to be the one to call Cassie a fool. Like, see, this is what frustrated me. Cassie will not put that trust in Rachel. Yeah. Because Rachel... And Rachel put that blind faith in her. Even though Rachel's the impulsive one. She's the one that doesn't think things through. She does whatever she wants it's normally the aggressive thing she's straight to the point and even she was like this is my best friend and i believe in her yeah it just oh my god yeah so much shit <laughs> <laughs> 
And, like, we know, we we can, you know, there could be some speculation, like, well, what would Rachel have done if it wasn't Cassie? Look at Marco. That's what she wouldn't have done. That's what she would have done if it wasn't Cassie. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. So, what, what did you think at the, at, upon reaching the end of this book? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, my, um, my main contemplations, which will manifest into a question for you, um, mm-hmm. I know you had mentioned earlier that like this is this is the start of the problems that you have with Cassie. Do you feel the same way about Cassie as you did about Eric at the at the end of uh, Marco's book in book number ten? Like, I mean, kind kind of. It's harder too because we also get Cassie's perspective and Jake's perspective on this, which make it not so kind of black and white for me because I can like you know you get that that idea and it did work out for them in the end but I absolutely still stand by every time Cassie does the stupid reckless thing in this book it's like you can't like how how dare you make this decision like that exactly the same like how could you do this to the Animorphs and to the human race like you've just undermined everything you've just taken the the thing that you fought for for who knows how long and sacrificed so much over look at tobias look at how much he sacrificed over it look at what everybody's sacrificing and because you didn't feel good in the moment you threw that all away yeah like that that part drives me insane and in this book, it all worked out, and it was the right thing to do, and it was the crazy, stupid, hopeless thing. And so that's, like, a real high point for me, and I really want to focus on that and say, like, okay, like, I want to believe like that too. But, like Jake, in the moment, I always want to do the ruthless, intelligent thing. Yeah. Because that is what will keep you alive, and that is what gives everybody else hope that you could end this war. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it does. Um, <laughs> okay, good. And it's like, I, I, I feel a little bit bad for how like, how like hard I came down on Rachel for being reckless. But like, <laughs> You don't have to. It's, it's understandable. Yeah, but like, fucking hell. Like, Cassie's reckless, but in a different way. Like Rachel, I, Rachel, I feel like would never purposefully sell them out. Right. Yeah, she would, Rachel would, as they've stated in other books, if Rachel had to become an eagle nothlet to protect the rest of the team, she'd do it in a heartbeat. She would never question it. Yeah. And I... Not not for a second. Yeah. And on the other hand, again, like I've mentioned that I, I relate to Cassie and a lot of her decisions. I don't necessarily condone them, but mm-hmm. I go like, I would probably do the same thing because I like very unfortunately have this kind of mentality of like i i know what the right thing to do is but i don't want to do it so i'm going to roll over and die basically but throughout this book i was like cassie that was stupid why would you do that but at the same way it didn't like get to me in the same way that like some of rachel's behavior gets to me because i think i'm i'm very similar to cassie like not to say that her behavior wasn't stupid but I, I just, I yeah, it, I think 
I think what you're reacting to is the same thing I am, where it was stupid, but it was noble stupid. It wasn't reckless stupid like Rachel. Like, Rachel does it because Rachel wants it, and Rachel thinks that the direct approach is the way to go, or using force is the way to go. Whereas Cassie did it because she was like, I... I am willing to die for humanity. I'm willing to die for my friends. I'm also willing to die for my enemies if it proves to them how much life means to me. Because every thing, every person, every animal, every insect is important. And I think that they deserve respect. And it's a lot harder to look at that decision and say, no, fuck that, than it is to look at Rachel, who's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I saved that guy. Who gives, who gives a fuck? I don't care who that is. It's it's so different. I mean, I guess I was referring more to when she put um, Yerk's name Aftran, Aftran uh, into mm-hmm. her head. Like, that was the moment where it's like, that, all <sighs> is lost if this goes bad. If this goes south, like, you're yeah. fucked and you fucked all your friends and you fucked humanity. Like, she kind of redeemed it by doing the caterpillar thing. Yeah. But, like, in that moment, it was like, Wow, that was the worst call in the series so far. <laughs> like, yeah, Jesus. that was a gamble that, like, that's like, I bet the die is going to land on its edge and balance perfectly. And through some miracle of space and time, yeah. it did. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was not a good oh, no. decision. And, like, it's, again, it's hard to criticize because it's like, it worked out. Yeah. But. <laughs> but again, it very easily could have not worked out and all would have been lost. Yeah. And it, oh yeah. man. And like, you can't, you can't make that decision. Like you, you just, you have no right to it, make that decision. I think, yeah. That's, I think that's really what ate away at me. And like, when I think of Cassie, this is really what eats away at me is that it's, if Cassie made that decision for herself and it affected her, I'd be like, I get it. Sacrifice yourself to try and make this work. But she also chose to sacrifice every single one of her friends, every single one of her friends' immediate family, and also the entire world. Yeah. And that's not an acceptable risk to me. No. That's just not. No, I agree. Like, I'm glad it worked out. And it it makes a great point. Like, it, Cassie makes great points. And I can agree up to a point. But... If that hadn't worked out, that was not an acceptable risk. Right. Oh, my God. It literally, if if it hadn't worked out and had it gone the other way, it would have been like, literally, Cassie became a controller. She somehow got through the Animorphs and got away and told the Yerks, and that's the end. The war is lost. Like, they're taken. The last hope of humanity is taken. The Andalites would, you know, who gives a shit? You know? That's it. Yeah. That's how this book would have ended. <laughs> I mean, I also feel like I'm saying all of this as someone who is more like Rachel and is also extremely jaded and has no hope for humanity. <laughs> oh, <no>. So, like, <laughs> I I really want to, like, talk to somebody that has that crazy optimistic hope and is just willing to run with it. Yeah. It just, it feels like one of those, like, entrepreneur things where, like, Somebody has enough blind faith in themselves that they went headlong against all the advice and all the odds and made it and is successful. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be that person, 
but I'm not good enough to be that person. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Yikes. Yeah, this is... This is why, like, and I'm not, I'm really not hating on Cassie. Again, I love her as a character, and I love, as I've said, these adult questions that she's asking us, and I love that she's challenging us, and I especially love that at the end of the book, she still says, I don't have an answer. This is the best I can do right now. Yeah. Like, that's the most important part for me, yeah. is that she can challenge us and still not have an answer. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. But I just, I have a problem with how insane it was that she did that and how she risked every, like, she's willing to kill off everybody else because she thinks that that's the right thing to do. And I don't think that's right. And there was a, a, the theme of you want to find a way to stop us without having to get your hands dirty. Like, that kept coming Mm -hmm. up and it kind of threw back to... Um, the opportunity that, that she had to kill uh, Visser Three's brother. Visser mm-hmm. Three's brother! Um, and, she, <laughs> My little brother. and she asked Jake to do it for her. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it kept coming up in this book. And, like, the, you know, the moment in Megamorse 1 where she had an opportunity to get taken and she hid and, and I think it was Marco got taken. Like, yep. this, oh, God. Yeah, and this this fits actually kind of the theme of that Megamorphs one where she went in at the end of it and tried to correct her decision. And I feel like this was the her asking yeah. Jake to kill Visitor Three's brother for her. This was the correction of it where she said, "I'll I, sacrifice in myself. in that moment, right? I'll sacrifice myself and I'll sacrifice everything for peace and for good and for believing that all of life is sacred." Fuck. And. Ugh, See, it's hard to argue at that point because that feels like the right point. But, (laughs) like, I just don't have the blind faith that that would work out in this scenario. (laughs) No, I know. It defies all, you know, logic and and it's it's all just fucking emotions and trust. And you can't usually afford that when you're fighting an enemy like the Yerks. Yeah, when you're fighting a guerrilla war. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. It it would just be like, you know, going up to your enemy and giving them all of your plans and all your locations and being like, "See how good I am? Now don't bomb the shit out of us." Like, I would love to believe that that person would be like, "Oh, that was very nice. I can see they're humans now. I guess I won't bomb the shit out of them." But in reality, what's going to happen is you lost the war. Yeah. It's hard. It's a. It's just like in the books. There's like just no. There's not an answer that we can sit down here in 20 minutes and come to a right co- conclusion, right? These are the questions that have been asked for much longer than we've been alive. Yeah. yeah. They're 12. They're 12. They're children. They're 80 pounds. <laughs> How can they be making these decisions? I don't know. It's too cruel. Yeah. Leave these kids alone. <laughs> Just let them be. Let them live their lives. Let them go to their stupid Leave school Brittany dates. alone. <laughs> Leave her alone. She's a human. Oh, <laughs> She's Chris a Crockett. human being. <sighs> yeah. Oh, the my internet. God. Man, is this book rough. It's super rough. And, like, 
I feel like all of Cassie's books have been pretty lighthearted. Yeah, like we've seen glimpses of these questions, but like it's never been so blatant and in your face and interwoven so well as this book. (sighs) Why you gotta make it hard, Applegate? Why you gotta do this to me? You poked my heart. It'll be interesting um, moving forward because like Cassie's on a little bit of a high at the end of this book when she's kind of like, okay, I almost lost everything and now I have this like newfound appreciation for colors and the world and how lucky we are to be alive right now. Hamilton, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that just kind of happened. But it'll be interesting to see if that comes forward in the next time we see her or if it'll be like, I brushed my teeth until my gums were bloody. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. And, oh God, and it's just the manic high after the low, right? Like, oh my God. And who are we even visiting next? (laughs) Uh, Marco? Oh my God. Okay, so I just looked at the the end of my book um, for, because, you know, like at the end of each book, it gives you a like, next time on Animorphs. yeah. And we're about to get to one of the most intense arcs of the series where we get to have these types of conversations repeatedly. Bitch of a son. Yeah. I think these next few books, you are going to have that experience of, I do not want to put them down. I want to keep reading. Oh, sweet. I could win a beach towel. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Very, very serious topic. Serious topic. Oh, a beach towel. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no. Sorry, there's just let's see what the deadline is. Oh man, I can't even do it after September fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Oh my god. Damn it. It's like the Wayback Machine up in here. It's pretty much the Wayback Machine in analog form. So that's the way way back machine machine. <laughs> Which is the way that I'm sure several of our authors and characters would prefer. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry for that beach towel digression. Are there any other, like, closing thoughts or or any questions, anything you want to talk about here? I think I'm good. I really want to read Hatchet again, though. Oh my god, yeah, she mentions the Hatchet. I got really excited about that. That was a good book. That was a great book. And I like how her excuse is like, I don't remember the book and also I don't have a Hatchet. (laughs) Oh, Cassie. Cassie, Cassie, Cassie. Did you read that book? No, what's it about? I don't know. <laughs> it's about a hatchet. I don't really remember. I just know he had a hatchet. God, why do you gotta ask me all these questions? Oh, God. All right, I'll ask you one. I'll ask you a final question. Okay. At the end of this book, do you like and relate to, like and or relate to Cassie more or less than before reading this book? I would say relate to just as much. It's hard to say it's it's hard to say about the like. Like mm-hmm. I I think I lost a little bit of respect for her based on some of the decisions she made in this book. I mean, I, it's hard to say cuz it all worked out, but um I know. That's that's that's, that's really kicker, what makes right? it hard. Yeah. But that was like the worst call made in the book so far. Um yeah. like And we've had some doozies. Yeah, that's <laughs> but fucking I th- yeah, I think I I think I'm um I lost a little respect for Cassie in this book, but but again I kind of again I can't condone it what she did, yeah. but I 
can also relate to it. I don't know. It's it's complicated. That's what I'm doing. It. Yeah. It's complicated. Cop out answer. No, it's it's again, it's the correct answer really because it is so complicated. And I don't know. I've been reading these books for God knows how long and I'm still having these discussions. Like I don't have an answer. I don't know. I appreciate that the questions are asked though. Yeah. Um yeah. I can tell you what like little 10-year-old Alex thought. Sure. And that was just what the fuck, Cassie? <laughs> that was the dumbest thing. Let's go with Rachel's plan to just blow everything up constantly. Yeah. I have zero faith in the Yerks. That's something we didn't really talk about. The fact that hashtag not all Yerks really came up (laughs) again. Sorry. Hashtag not all Yerks. Yeah. yeah, Because we had a little bit of of, um, that in Axe's first book. Yeah. With the Yerk that was in love with the other Yerk. found out they loved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's coming up again. And now we find out that not only do they have, like, feelings, but, like, there's an actual faction of the Yerk populace that doesn't think they should be enslaving things. Like, that's that's huge. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. really important to address for, like, modern day times, you know, because a lot of kind of mm-hmm. the narrow-minded attitude towards, like, people from certain other countries is that, oh, they're all, like, terrorists or they're all they all hate americans and it's like no it's more complicated than that like they don't all hate americans or you know whatever yeah so yep and it's i think the only difference here is like looking at numbers like it would almost be like the narrow-minded like radical people are the smaller faction than most of the people in the country, I generally say, mm-hmm. whereas in this case, because we're talking about a fictional alien species, it's most people uh, are the ones that want to take over and enslave, and it's a small radical faction that doesn't think it's right. And that's, it's, it is so relatable though. <laughs> like, you could really, when I was reading this, I kept going, like, oh man, like, so much of this is just still happening. Like, in the world, in so many different examples, yeah. and it's crazy. That's that's all I've got. Tell me about your comic book. Um, I write <laughs> and draw a web comic. It's called Beside You. It's about music and romance, and it takes place in 2003 because I love the Yay. 90s and the early noughts. Um, if you want to read it, um, it updates on Wednesdays. Uh, you can read it at BesideYouComic.com, and uh, you should do that. Because I worked really hard on it. But also because it's very, very good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, if you want to send us a message, it's Animorphs Anon... Nope. It's Anonymous Animorphs at gmail.com. See how I left that break so you could edit it so <laughs> nicely? <laughs> oh, okay. Boy. It is Anonymous Animorphs at gmail.com. If you want to check out our super duper cool website, it's animorphsanonymous.com. If you want to check out our Facebook, it's Animorphs Anonymous on Facebook, or you can go to facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous and join our Andalite Bandalites group, which is really fun and apparently where I'm posting the episodes from now on because someone doesn't know how Facebook works. (laughs) That would be me. 
<laughs> if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Animorphs Anonymous. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Animorphs Anon. If you want to look up some radical playlists on Spotify, you can just look up Animorphs Anonymous as the user, and we've posted playlists from each of the characters, Yay. which is pretty cool. Um, and if you don't like whatever you're listening to this podcast on right now, you can switch to, like, I don't know, iTunes, maybe Stitcher, maybe Podbean, maybe Podcast Republic. There's so many options. If you're like, I love Google, well, guess what? We're on Google, too. How great We're is that? goddamn everywhere. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. Just like the so, except nicer, yeah. and we don't try to control yeah. you. We just try to offer you many options about what you want to do. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, God. I'm scared about Marco's next book. We're going to have a lot of fun discussion. I'm super excited for Rachel's next book, which is the next one that's going to be um, one of our contest books. So look out for that. I'm ready to die. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. All right. See ya on the flip side. Catch you there. All that jazz. Yes. Much like this book, audience, I will leave you with no satisfactory ending. (laughs) Contemplate yourselves. Goodbye. Bye.